for the majority of people, at least in first world countries, they are stuck burning sugar. And the argument is that the brain needs sugar at all times. The body needs glucose at all times. That is true. It does. But it doesn't mean you have to eat that dietary sugar or the carbohydrates to create it. Your body is so magnificent, it could create that glucose via... Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness, and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world, sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drspen.com for the full quantum experience. Greetings and welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ben Asadi. This is going to be an exciting conversation. I asked Ben just before we started press recording here what he wanted to get across. And he said, I want to show the people that they can take the power of their own healing back. So today's going to be a very powerful conversation as to how you can do exactly that. So let me do a quick intro. In 2008, Ben Azadi was an obese man, had a lot of personal health issues, lost 80 pounds, approximately 36 kilos by getting metabolically healthy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You probably heard a lot about ketogenesis, ketosis, getting into ketosis and what it means to live by a ketogenic lifestyle, a ketogenic diet. So today we're going to talk about a lot of those questions that people don't normally ask of what it means and how you can do it. And it's actually a bit simpler than you might think as well. It's exciting. Ben Asadi is on a mission to inspire and help 1 billion people to a healthier lifestyle. He's the author of many best-selling books, including KetoFlex, if you want to look that up. And it's been a source of intermittent fasting and education since 2013. So really, really excited to have Ben here. Also check out his podcast, The Keto Camp. So let's get straight into it. Ben, how are you today, man? I'm doing amazing, Espen. Thanks so much for the invitation, that amazing introduction as well. It's a pleasure, brother. And I'm excited to be here with you now. Just before we jumped on and press record, as I said, I asked you what you wanted to to try and, and, and bring forth from this conversation. And you shared something quite profound that I think is really useful. Would you like to share that again, please? Yeah, well, to claim their power back, as you mentioned, we have been brainwashed to believe that symptoms and diseases and diagnoses are evil. We should hate them. We should mask them up. We should chase them. We should take medications and do different fad diets and surgeries to hide the root cause of why we don't feel well. And that's the way society has built us up and brainwashed us is to believe that we need something external to heal the body. But the truth is everything we need is internal. We just have to remove the interference and let the body heal itself. The body, every cell has self-healing mechanisms in place. And I want the world to understand that you can reclaim that power back. The conversation we're about to have today the episodes you have on your podcast are exactly the tools needed to reclaim that power, identify the interference, work on removing the interference, and then voila, your body heals itself. It's so incredible. I love when I've got guests on the show and in the first part of the conversation, I'm experiencing truth bumps. <laughs> you can't that. fake a truth bump, right? So I love this. And, and also for me as a primary healthcare physician, I've been saying this for 15 years. 
The body has an innate capacity to heal itself. If you get a cut, it'll heal. If you break a bone, the doctor can put it into the correct position. Yes, but you are the one doing the healing. And I know in a lot of allopathic medicine or the science of reactive medicine out there, it's the opposite approach. You're broken, therefore you must have a pill for an ill or you must be fixed and or you look at what your body's telling you and you say that that's wrong. A great physician friend of mine in the US actually once said, the disease is the cure. If you're eating a lot of unhealthy stuff and you're getting flatulence and, and stomach cramps, well, it's not because you're sick, it's because you pigged out. And so there is this fine line of really listening to the body. But I think all that aside, if we could establish from this moment before we get deeper into this conversation with Ben, that the body has an innate capacity to heal itself, that it is designed to do so, and that there is, in fact, interference, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, chemical, electromagnetic, and many other types of interference. So having this conversation is really exciting. And I'd like to know from you, Ben, specifically, how does one do that in terms of removing interference? We know there is so much, so many things that we eat, so many things that we drink that create such an insanely high amount of inflammation in the body. What have you found when you lost 36 kilos, 80 pounds, and so on? What were some of the tools that you used to be able to do this? Number one was understanding what you just said, that, okay, I, I have to believe that my body was actually built to heal itself. So belief is number one. Whether you believe you could heal yourself or believe you cannot heal yourself, you are absolutely correct. And there is something to be said about the placebo effect. It's very, very powerful. So I started off with believing that I could actually do this, believing that I actually could heal myself. That was the first step. And then once I believed, I believed, then I developed that actual fact. So it started really with my thoughts. And I, I, I really believe our thoughts influence our health in ways that we will probably never really understand, but we're getting more research into what our thinking does to create disease or to create homeostasis and health. So for me, I started to get into the work of Dr. Wayne Dyer in the beginning, and I still study Dr. Wayne Dyer to this day. I read his book this morning. Every single morning, I read Dr. Dyer. He, he said a lot of things back then when I was in a dark place, obese, suicidal, ready to give up on life, blaming other people for my problems, being the victim of my circumstances. And he, Dr. Wayne Dyer would say things like, hey, if other people are the cause of your problems, you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. I'm like, whoa, that is never going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to hire a psychiatrist for the person I think it's causing my problems. It's really me that's causing my problems. And he said things like, hey, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. Why? Because that's what's inside. Well, when life has squeezed me and squeezes you, what comes out is what's inside, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. So cool. I started to really become aware of those thoughts. And the, there's a step even before that, Espen, your environment determines your thoughts, your thoughts determine your actions, your actions determine your results, and your results determine your destiny. So I did a full audit on my environment, and I still do it to this day. And I cut out or I set boundaries with people in my life who were not supporting this, this new uh, ideal of health and healing and thriving. And I surrounded myself with people who were going to uplift me and, and support me. And once I had that support system, once I believed that my body could heal itself, I essentially became unstoppable. It was really easy once I became clear on those couple of things. You know, I love it when people lay out the exact strategy 
Like, okay, <laughs> let's take a note. Okay, so what if we just hear? Firstly, the belief. So if you're listening, take a mental note. If you have the capacity, write it down. Firstly, write down what is my belief about myself? What is my belief about my capacity to heal? Cool. Step number one. Step number two, looking at your environment. Where do the boundaries need to be placed? What kind of people would you exit out of your life? Lovingly, of course, what kind of people would you like to bring into your life to sit at, quote unquote, your table, okay, to really nurture that? I absolutely love it. And so when you got to that point of recognizing that, one, you are the healer, two, you can start to let go of interference, I would love to know, learn a little bit more about how you went down and by the way, I love your uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer quote and the, the analogy of the orange. I think that was absolutely spot on. In the nutritional realm, in the lifestyle realm, I know you specialized in this. You've got millions of people that's watched you online and on, on the keto camp and TikTok and amazing stuff that you've done. How would you clarify a process for those listening and watching that wants to purify their life, that wants to clean up their life? How can one go about this? Yeah, those are the first two steps. Believe and then do an audit on your environment. And after you've done that, I'll just share what I did in the beginning, 2008. I just I started to move my body. That started with walks and then sprinting and then basketball and then cycling. The more I moved my body, the better I felt. That was the first change for me. The second change for me was, okay, I'm going to just eat real food. I wasn't a diet. I wasn't doing keto back then. I wasn't doing any kind of diet. I was just eating real food and limiting my processed food. And of course, it's challenging in the beginning. And I really believe when you set out on new goals, it can be challenging and it could be um, what I say, it could suck. I usually say that it could suck. You get sore from workouts, you go to parties and you say no to alcohol. These are things that I did and it could it, it could tend to suck. But I have a formula for success. And that formula is suck, 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 cess. Okay, you embrace the suck. You get better each time. <laughs> you don't, like Jim Rohn said, you don't wish it was easier. You wish you you were better. And you build strength mentally, physically. So that's what I did. You know, nine months after I took ownership or responsibility, I, I lost those 80 pounds. I went from 34% body fat to as low as 6% body fat. And it really wasn't with dieting and extreme um, measures at all. But, you know, a lesson to be learned from my transformation is that although I lost the weight, I still didn't feel all that healthy. And I was still exploring what real cellular health felt like and looked like because I still had digestive issues. I still had some brain fog. So my journey, of course, is different than everybody else. For me, I've, of course, discovered ketosis and intermittent fasting in 2013. And I started to adopt these ancient healing strategies, meaning they've been around forever. And that took my health to another level. But then you said something really important earlier, the areas of stress, mental, emotional, physical, chemical, I started to address that too. And for me, the biggest one there was the chemical uh, stressors in my life. I had eight silver amalgam fillings in my mouth for 20 plus years, vaporizing mercury into my hypothalamus pituitary, shutting down my digestive system, creating hormone imbalances. So I got my silver amalgam removed, my silver amalgam fillings removed by, by a, a biological dentist safely. And then I did real detoxification safely to start pulling the mercury and other metals out of my body. That was the biggest needle mover for me. It wasn't until I actually identified that main inter interference. And I also lived in a moldy home too, which I got out of. Those were the two biggest things, the heavy metal toxicity and the mold toxicity. And once I removed that interference, and I'm still working on it to this day, my body started to adapt. The innate intelligence was activated. 
and my body began to heal itself. Oh, I love this. I love the step-by-step process here. And you know what? I used to own a, a franchise of health clinics. And when we used to see clinics, often we took x-rays of them, particularly to look at what's happening in their neck and their posture and things. And I often did an x-ray through their mouth. And every time they opened up their mouth and I'd see this mercury that was in their body, that was in their mouth, I would ask them, have you had to think about removing this? And the sometimes I was like, yeah, I thought of it, but I don't know where. It's just like, they used to put harmful mercury in people's mouths and people walk around with it still. And they think that having it in their mouth, which is highly acidic and and, and continuously moving food and things through there, they think that that's not going to have an effect on the nervous system. Please, even through, you know, Tony Robbins, he had a profound mercury toxicity. He didn't even know because he was eating too much fish. Many people don't even know. And so I actually started bringing in dentists and I built dental clinics in my franchises because there was so much mercury, we couldn't get rid of it and we needed to do it in a safe way. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked, if you've got harmful, literally deadly type chemicals, I should say heavy metals in your mouth, such as mercury, go to your dentist, find a safe dentist that can look this up and find out how to remove it because you can't just remove it because you can get heavy metal toxicity, you need to do it in, in a proper safe way. So go and find your integrated holistic dentist and actually have that appointment and have that assessment. Because if you've got it in your mouth, it is in your body, in your bloodstream. That's pretty much how it works. I mentioned yeah. the second thing, Ben. Like, let's go there as well. Did you mention mold? Is that what you said? Yeah, I lived in a moldy okay. home. Yeah. L- listen to this, guys. Take it away. So at the same time I discovered the dangers of silver fillings, I also discovered that I had mold in my household. Same thing, same era of my life, I was dealing with the mercury dumping into my brain, around my body, and then breathing in these mycotoxic mold spores uh, pretty much all day long because I was working from home. And it was doing a number on my energy levels. It was doing a number on my skin, sinus issues, all these things crept up and I had somebody inspect my home and they found a ton of molds and there's two options, right? It depend. It's, it's really, when it comes to mold, there's mold everywhere. There's mold spores everywhere. I live in Florida and it's really rampant here, but it's really a matter of how full your stress bucket is to how it affects you and how sooner it affects some person versus somebody else. But you got, you got a decision to make. If you discover mold in your house, you could get it remediated and you could detoxify the mold from your body. That's one step. Some people need to move out of their home. For me, I made the decision to actually sell, to remediate and then sell my home because I knew I just couldn't be in that environment. And that's what I did. And once I moved, I started to work on removing the mold from my body. Mold accumulates in your optic nerve. It causes eye issues. Uh, It causes nighttime blindness. It causes dark circles underneath your eyes. It causes fatigue, sinus issues. I mean, frequent urination. There's a lot of symptoms that I was dealing with back then. And what's interesting, Espen, is that I went through all that and I always believe everything is on the way, not in the way. And recently, this past June, so just a few months ago, I moved into a new townhouse with my fiance and we built out a beautiful studio and we were renting there. And a couple months into it, I started noticing there was like a musty smell in the townhouse. Even though the townhouse was a new build, 2017, I started to smell a musty smell. I kept telling my fiance, do you smell that? She didn't really smell it. Our washer dryer gave this our clothes this smell. And then I was I just kind of ignored it because we just moved into this place. I didn't want to uh, really put energy into thinking it was mold. But then my fiance developed some sinus issues and uh, pulsating migraine. And then our cat 
develop sinus issues. And those are two very common symptoms of mold. So I have a building biologist that's a friend of mine. He's a world-renowned building biologist who I actually called up and he actually came to my townhouse and he inspected my whole place. And lo and behold, we found molds everywhere. We found it in the both AC units. It was two floors, both AC units, two different AC units had mold. All the bathrooms had it. All the bedrooms had it. The gym I built out had it. Behind the refrigerator had it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is the situation. So what am I going to do? And I made the decision to actually break the lease and leave. I didn't want to even deal with it. So now we moved into this new place. It's a lot better. There's no mold here. We inspected. And now I'm going through another mold detoxification protocol with me and my fiance. But these are things that we got to do. If we really want to remove the interference, these are all part of what's blocking the innate intelligence. So I'm excited to see how I'm going to feel and what it's going to look like when I get through these eight weeks of, I just started the mold detoxification protocol. Right. Phenomenal. And guys, you know, you just don't know until you check. And I just did a podcast of 10 top quantum biohacking tools for peak performance in life and in business. And I talk about purification here as the first step, purifying your environment, purifying your mind, your thoughts, and of course, very importantly, purifying your body. So getting checked, I talk about, go check out the podcast. I talk about anything from doing hair, blood, stool, saliva, really having all the tests done so you can actually know what's going on. Because if you don't measure, how can you improve it, right? right. And with mold, if you don't check for mold, if you don't check for, you know, even candida and things in the body, then how do you even know and how do you clear it? What's the process of clearing it? I know you talked about an eight-week process. And I don't want to go too, too deep into the mold thing. I want to get into the keto stuff and the nutrition stuff. But just quickly, what is the overall process of of clearing that level of interference once you've found it for you? Yeah, number one, you got to get out of the environment. There's no, it makes no sense to do a, a mold detoxification protocol if you're still breathing in the mold, if you're still living in the moldy home. The same could be said about silver amalgam fillings. If you still have it in your mouth, like why are you doing detox? I mean, you got to make sure it's removed. You remove the source first. Yeah. So the the protocol is it involves a lot of binders different binders. I use a, a product called Gut Clear from uh, Cellular Solutions products here in America. So we take that in the morning, we take it at night at a high doses, and then we take butyrate from a company called Body Bio, which helps to kind of brush the mold off of the cell membranes. It helps the felt cell membranes become more fluid and the binders catch the mold spores in the gut overnight. We take the binders before we go to bed because the liver is very active between 2 and 4 a.m. in the morning, the liver time in Chinese medicine. So the binders sit in the gut. The other products are kind of scraping them off the cells from within the cells, and then it's being caught in the gut. So that's there's a little bit more to it, but in general, that's what we're going to be doing. I love talking with people where I can just throw out a question and you get an actual detailed, scientifically researched <laughs> answer. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, brother. So let's talk about the whole keto side of thing because, you know, and this is for me, I'll quickly give you my journey for those listening. I have done all kinds of things. I've tried everything and I, I want to test and trial and measure because I need to find out what works for me. I have done anything from being completely vegan uh, for almost a year and a half. I competed. I came fifth in America in, you know, fitness figure being vegan, kind of proven that it's possible. I'm wow. a yogi. So, you know, eating clean has been, you know, part of my life for a long time. I've tried the carnivore diet, which worked really, really well for me, and anything and everything in between. I have been living with intermittent fasting for a good 10 years, the majority of the time. So Monday to Friday, I only eat for an eight-hour window and fast for 16. I have my celery juice in the morning and, and really clean with the way I live. But most of my life, and there are exceptions, is in ketosis. 
And I know Ben will give us a lot more detail about this, but in essence, the body can burn sugar or it can burn fat. For a long time, we thought that it could only burn sugar. It needs glucose. It needs the, that high spike, right? And then we go, whoa, and, and that's what it could do. That's all it could do. But we know that getting into ketosis when ketones are secreted from the liver and the body starts to burn fat as its primary fuel, keep in mind that a lot of the toxins in your body are around the fat cells, the adipose tissue. So when you actually eat quality fats and your body learns to to burn fat as its primary fuel, and this is, of course, the fat that you, you want to burn, you can train harder, run longer, your focus is better. I've noticed for me, and I know you spoke about this in one of the interviews, Ben, I'd like to hear about this, the, the brain fog mm. and how that clears away and, yeah. and just overall quality of life and energy. So there is this, this yes, the, the brain can burn glucose and it does so very quickly, but you run out very fast and you have a lot of inflammation, not always, but often, and you can change from burning sugar to burning fat as your primary fuel. And then you have the, the side effects, the wonderful side effects, such as now you're burning fat. You don't have the sugar cravings. You don't have the highs and the lows emotionally and so on and so forth. So there is so much in this conversation. I want to hand it over to you, brother. Why keto? Yeah, yeah. You, well said. Great lead up. When we think about the human body, there's about 50 to 70 trillion cells in the human body, but we only have two energy systems. As you mentioned, we're either burning sugar, glucose, same thing, or fat and ketones. That's it. For the majority of people, at least in first world countries, they are stuck burning sugar. And the argument is that the brain needs sugar at all times. The body needs glucose at all times. That is true. It does. But it doesn't mean you have to eat that dietary sugar or the carbohydrates to create it. Your body is so magnificent. It could create that glucose via fat and protein. Gluconeogenesis is what happens. So uh, there was a study in America that came out a few years ago showing that 93% of American adults are metabolically unhealthy. In other words, they're burning sugar. They're in what I call a keto deficiency. And when we talk about keto, keto is very popular and that is good and bad. The bad version of it is that people think it's about a high fat diet. It's a fad diet. You got to eat a whole bunch of bacon and cheese. And yeah, that could be one version of it. But keto is not a diet. Keto is a metabolic process. And this metabolic process has been around for as long as humans have existed. That's why it's called an ancient healing strategy, like fasting. Every one of our ancestors did keto. They didn't have food available all the time. And when it was winter, they ate protein and fat. They did carnivore. They were in ketosis. This is a survival mechanism. We're designed to use fat for fuel from time to time. And that's what metabolic flexibility is, what I call metabolic freedom. That is what we want for the, for everybody. We want them to achieve metabolic freedom. When you're stuck burning sugar and not fat, you're metabolically inflexible. It is aging you faster. It's creating a lot of inflammation. You are handcuffed to your snacks and to your meals. It's impossible to fast because you get hangry and you want to punch somebody in the face. And just to make the point even farther, Babies that are breastfed are actually in a state of ketosis because breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol, and it's really important to develop that baby's brain. So that's what fat and ketones do. The brain loves fat. It's about 80% fat. So we're designed to burn fat. There's nothing new about it. The mitochondria love ketones. And guess which 
cells in the body have the highest concentration of mitochondria, the brain, right? So the brain has the highest concentration. There's different regions in the brain that have millions of mitochondria in a single cell. When you think about other cells, a few hundred to a few thousand, right? So when you are producing ketones, and that is simply a byproduct, as you mentioned, Espen, of burning fat by lowering insulin, by lowering carbs, you burn fat. The liver produces ketones. It produces three types of ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetone, and acetoacetate. So there's three ways to measure your ketones because there's three different byproducts of ketones. The gold standard of testing ketones is blood, and that's measuring beta-hydroxybutyrate. That's the one ketone body that gets into the brain. So when your body is in a state of ketosis, those ketones, we now know through amazing research, those ketones are actually communicating and signaling to your mitochondria to produce more energy. And it does this by stressing the mitochondria. It signals to your mitochondria that you might be going through a famine. It might be winter. There's not an abundance of carbs. So we need to do everything possible to upregulate cell energy, raise glutathione, and protect the body for this famine, even though you're not really in a famine. So the body um, creates mitochondrial biogenesis, where it creates new mitochondria. And when we look at the creation of energy by ourselves, the electron transport chain, there is a 400% increase in ATP cellular energy when you're in a state of ketosis versus when you're burning sugar. Whoa. So the average person burning sugar creates about 32 to 36 ATP when you're in ketosis, you create over 120 ATP because of the creation of new mitochondria. With the creation of new energy, it increases your basal metabolic rate, so you burn more calories. It's one of the mechanisms to how you lose weight on keto with lowering insulin. So there is incredible benefits. The brain fog, as you mentioned, because the ketones the, that are going to signal to the mitochondria are going to happen a lot in the brain area because that's where you have the most mitochondria. So you get new mitochondria getting created. You get damaged mitochondria going through mitophagy and the body's getting rid of those bad mitochondria. And all this is happening because you're in a state of ketosis. That is the goal, to get you there and then to flex in and out. I don't believe in long-term sustainable ketosis. I think it could be over time a little bit too stressful for the body, but I believe in going in and out of states of ketosis, which is the way we're designed to be. And that, me, Espen, is what I call metabolic freedom. I love that. I think this is really important because you have the people out there that are diehards. You only have to be in ketosis all the time. Yeah, no, you cannot eat this and you cannot eat that. You got to stay with it. And honestly, I agree with you, Ben. We're not designed to do that. We're designed to be primarily in ketosis. And then certain, you know, seasons, we might come across a field of berries and we might eat a whole bunch of berries for a month, you know, like, right. you know, back in the day. And also, I don't think it's sustainable for a person in the modern world to only eat ketosis for a very, very long time, years and years. So I think you're absolutely right. And I love what you talk about in terms of what it means. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but what Ben was sharing was the amount that mitochondria, which is the energy factory in the cells, right? And what it does to, to produce ATP, action potential power energy, is so much higher. Can you mention the difference between glucose and ketosis again in terms of the energy production? 400% more energy when you're burning ketones versus sugar. If that's not an inspiration for you to clean up your diet, cut the sugar and start eating in a way that would metabolically serve your body, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I think most people would say, I would love to have some more energy in my life. And so the truth is that these 
high sugar, high glucose foods are literally doing the opposite. And they're obviously full of, you know, often toxins and all sorts of things. So taking the time to learn about this and to ease into it, like Ben mentioned, I think is really key. And let's talk a little bit about the intermittent fasting side of things. I think this is really powerful because I've realized for me, and I'd love your take on it, Ben. When I started intermittent fasting, what first came up was a lot of fleeting symptoms because when I didn't eat, I had to sit with my emotions. When I didn't eat, I had to sit with my frustration. When I didn't eat, I had to sit with the cravings or the discomfort or the the feelings that came through for me. And I recognized how much, I, and I am consider myself pretty good at this. I've been doing this biohacking game for a very long time. But still, you know, sitting even three days in in on water and and ten days on water and and other things, and it, with intermittent fasting, this is not the case. Okay, so you are eating regularly, but I also have periods of extended fasting. But even with intermittent fasting, in the beginning, I would realize how much inside of me was coming out. You mentioned squeezing the orange, and how much of the time I would go and reach for food and snacks and other things, not because I was hungry. Sometimes because I was thirsty and I thought I was hungry, but other times because I wanted to emotionally equilibrate myself and get a fix, you know, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin kind of temporary fix by eating those foods. So I would love to know your experience with intermittent fasting and what you feel that has done for you and, and could benefit others as well. Well said. I, I love intermittent fasting and, and fasting variations. I believe fasting is uh, nature's reset button. It's a powerful way to remove the interference because if you think about the energy and the resources and the blood flow to digest a meal, it's a lot. It takes a lot of energy, right? So much. That's why when you eat a big meal, you don't want to go get work done and you're not focused. You want to go sit on the couch and become a couch potato because of all the resources diverted to your digestive system to process that food. Something really cool happens when you're in a fasted state and you skip that meal or skip two meals or even longer there's a process called energy diversion. So that means if you would have had the meal, all this energy would have been shunted away from the brain and other parts of your body towards digestion. We, When you don't eat the meal, when you practice fasting, that energy is now diverted towards healing, towards the brain, towards areas that need to be healed and fixed and go through this process called autophagy, which is cellular cleanup. That's amazing because you don't even have to think about it. What it does for, as you mentioned, like your discipline levels, it makes you so aware of how habitual it is to grab food and eat because of yep. boredom, because of what we've been taught. Uh, same thing with me, Espen, before I began fasting, I was the same way. We were, I, I was brainwashed to believe that we got to eat every two to three hours. We're going to slow the metabolism. If we don't, it's going to be too stressful for the body. All that is bogus. You think our ancestors did that? Not at all. <laughs> they fasted, they feasted. And that is the way to do it. Feast, famine, cycling. So when you're eating, you eat, you feast, you eat protein, you eat real food. When you don't eat, you fast, you allow your body to clean out the junk and go into repair mode. And then when you take your intermittent fast and you go into a, a what I call a block fast that you mentioned, three days, five days, 10 days or longer, then you get deep healing. You reset the receptor sites for dopamine in the brain after 48 hours. You completely replenish your immune system after 72 hours. Your body goes into deep autophagy several days into this, where it's looking for cells that are called senescent cells that are not functioning. They're just there taking up space, creating inflammation, and your body is so smart, the innate intelligence needs energy from somewhere, so it goes for these bad cells, and it tries to fix them. And if it can't fix them and replenish them, 
it gets rid of them through apoptosis, which is programmed cell death, but it goes a step farther and it creates a new cell called a stem cell. So we heard about stem cell therapy and there's a lot of validity to doing it, but your body could create its own stem cells with fasting. How remarkable is that? So fasting is a great way to turn the brain on. It's a great way to have focus and clarity because when you're in a fasted state, the innate intelligence is hardwired for the old school. It does not know you're doing this because you're fasting. It thinks you're going through a famine. So 16 hours into a fast, 24 hours into a fast, innate intelligence thinks, whoa, we're going through a famine. It doesn't understand that we could walk to our refrigerator or in America, click a button on my phone and have somebody delivering food at my door. It doesn't understand Uber Eats and DoorDash. These are companies that deliver food to us here. It understands famine and it thinks you're going through a famine. So what it does, it raises counter-regulatory hormones. These are hormones that run counter to insulin. When you fast, you really lower insulin. Insulin goes down. Human growth hormone goes up. Cortisol goes up. Norepinephrine goes up. These are hormones and chemicals that are your innate intelligence is, is producing because it wants you to stay focused and alert and energized to go hunt and kill to stay alive but you're not going to use it for that. You're going to use it to just crush your day and feel good. I can tell you this, when I want to be on my A game, if I'm speaking on stage, I'm in a fasted state. If I have a lot of content to create on a certain day, I'm in a fasted state because I don't want to use any of my resources for digesting food. I want to use it to crush the task at hand. And those are things, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs or moms or dads that want more energy. Like fasting is one of the most powerful ways to get there. I couldn't agree more. And this uh, is something that is certainly worth trying. If you're already doing it, think about what could be the next level for you. I loved how you talked about feast and famine and the opportunity to, 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 to do it in your life. Like, for example, as I mentioned, Monday to Friday, I'm intermittent fasting. So I don't eat for 16 hours. So I have my first meal maybe around noon or lunchtime and up to eight o'clock at night. There'll be very, very healthy meals. It's 90 plus percent organic. It's vegetable-based, but primarily in ketosis, including healthy meats, eggs, and other things. And I think it's really important for me to have those times out where I go go away and I'll fast for three days and I'll be in my normal work. And I don't know about you, Ben, and particularly, you know, the, the, the clarity that comes, like, I think that I get more energy when I'm eating certain foods. It's actually not the case. When I'm on day two and day three of a water fast, I am so present that I am literally tuning in and feeling through my five senses, my deep connection to the quantum field. Everything looks different. Everything feels different. Everything vibrates differently. And if I continue, it's it, it deepens a level of presence that I cannot experience in my life when I have regular foods. So this, this tool is not just hey, let's be metabolically flexible. That is fundamental for health, energy, longevity, and, and you mentioned homeostasis, but the presence that I experience when I cut out the stimuli and I allow my body to get into that next level of innate intelligence healing through fasting, there is something really special that takes over. And it's certainly, certainly a superpower, I would say. Uh, anything more you want to add to the intermittent fasting fasting side of things, Ben? Before we move on, I could just I could just uh, you know concur and agree with you. When I when I did my first five day water fast, I, I it was a spiritual experience. Mm. And there's you know science that you could explain what happens. The brain produces brain derived neurotropic factor, and all these amazing things are happening from like a biochemical standpoint. 
But beyond that, there's a spiritual component that you can't really explain with science. You just got to go through it and, and you start to connect, as you, as you mentioned, to your senses. You start to connect with your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. And there's something really powerful when you go through that, because that is an ultimate sign of removing the interference. This is why every religion who doesn't, religions don't agree with a lot of things, right? But they all agree on one thing, Espen, which is uh, some form of fasting. Every religion yeah. has some form of fasting, and that is because it is a spiritual experience to do it. Couldn't agree more, buddy. And what a great way for those listening and watching to take charge, take charge on your emotions, take charge on your lifestyle. Learn to know that you are the master in your life because I love it when I'm fasting and I'm actually not hungry. I'm actually not hungry. It's not like, oh my God, I need food. It's just like my body has what it needs. It knows my rhythm. It doesn't turn on those signals I need sugar. It doesn't because it knows that I've got what I need. And so it's not like when you fast, you'll end up walking around hungry all the time. In the beginning, you will, you know, we call it the, the keto flu kind of thing. I don't know if you want to talk about this for a minute, but the transition yeah. from burning glucose to, to being in ketogenesis. But I'm actually not hungry. I feel phenomenal, energetic, present, and certainly not craving any foods. Yeah, because you're fat adapted, and that is the goal. That means you're, you've taught your body the ability to burn fat. And then here's the difference. If you do fasting too soon and you're only burning sugar and you're not fat adapted, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. What's going to happen is the, the brain is going to have a drop, a decrease in glucose. And if you don't have the ability to tap into body fat and produce ketones, that drop in glucose sends a panic signal to the brain. And what it does, it sends the body intense signals for sugar and carbs to get that glucose back up on the brain, in the brain. And if you have the best willpower and you just push through, innate intelligence will find a way. It'll, it'll break down protein to create glucose. It'll increase cortisol to create glucose. That's not ideal. The ideal way to do it is to first get fat adapted, to do a very, it doesn't have to be keto, but a variation of a low carbohydrate diet. Maybe you just stop your snacks, you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, nothing in between, and you start to lower your carbs, increase your protein and fat, and then you pair that with fasting. What happens is that glucose drops in the brain, then you start burning body fat. Those ketones are sent to the brain and it tells your brain, no worries, the ketones are here, you're going to feel fine, and you do feel fine. So that is the difference between somebody who does it the wrong way uh, versus somebody who does it the right way and they prepare for it. The way that I teach fasting is to look at it as a muscle that you train and develop over time. You wouldn't go and do a CrossFit workout or run a marathon without training for it. You would feel awful. You could hurt yourself. It's the same thing with fasting. If you've been burning sugar for 30 years and you've been eating every two to three hours and you do a 24-hour fast the next day, you're going to hurt yourself. It's going to feel awful. So you want to build up that fasting muscle by lowering carbs, eliminating the snacking, and then you start uh, working on that fasting window and extending it and extending it. Very good. Very important point. Please note, if you are heavily dependent or have been until this point dependent on sugar, there is a transitional period. You don't just go from black to white or white to black. You literally transition and you become me metabolically adapted. So listen to that again. Again, uh, the podcast, the Keto Camp, Check out Benazadi's work. Some really amazing stuff there. And as a person starts to, of course, brother, this is necessary for the people. And, you know, for example, I used to, I, I run, right, and do martial arts and things. And I can train in a fasted state. I'm not saying I recommend this high-intensity interval training in a fasted state for everybody. You must be metabolically flexible. But I can train hard and strong. And I can run 
so much further now, but that I'm that I'm meta- metabolically flexible and all my body's burning fat because it can slowly release the fat and turn it into energy as I'm running rather than having to wait for that spike of sugar. Now, of course, if you're exerting a lot of energy, there is sometimes a need for carbohydrates or at least nutrition, depending, but the metabolic metabolically flexible conversation is not only for longevity and incredible health and clearing a lot of symptoms and, and suffering in your life, but it also is, in terms of exercise and performance, certainly a, an absolute biohacking tool. What are some of the things that you found, Ben, when, you, when you're looking at the keto side of things, we see the benefits, we know how it works. When, you, when you're studying this and we know that it goes back to our ancestors and feast and famine, we know that it works. What are some of the things that your client experiences? What are some of the things that people will experience when they start to cut the sugar, become metabolically adapted and learn to have more energy? That When they get into ketosis, what are some of the things that, that you've seen with your clients over time and over the years? The most important thing that I've seen is it creates more insulin sensitivity. And for the majority of those people that I mentioned, 93% of people that are unhealthy, they're insulin resistant. And that is a problem because insulin resistance leads to diabetes and diabetes leads to a whole host of other diseases. It's not really the diabetes that kills people. Uh, It's actually pretty rare to die from diabetes. It's what it leads to. It's the heart disease, the kidney failure, the amputations, the infections, et cetera. So that starts with the beginning with high levels of insulin, hyperinsulinemia. When you're eating high carbs and eating frequently, there's going to be insulin spike after insulin spike because of the glucose demand. The body's very smart and it has a very tightly uh, controlled mechanism for controlling glucose in the bloodstream. It wants one teaspoon of glucose in the entire bloodstream when you're in a fasted state. So that equates to 80 milligrams per deciliters if you're testing your blood glucose. That's considered optimal. When you eat carbs and eat frequently, of course, you're going to have fluctuating levels of high glucose. And then what happens, the pancreas needs to produce insulin to take that toxic glucose out of the bloodstream and put it into your cells. When that happens acutely, short term, no big deal. The body could adapt and you actually could be stronger as a result. When that happens over time, then what happens is the receptor sites that need to hear the signal for insulin become deaf to the screams. This is called insulin resistance, or in other words, hyperinsulinemia. This happens year after year. And on average, it takes this happening for 14 years until the blood glucose levels change, the A1C, for the doctor, the average doctor to say, hey, you have prediabetes or diabetes. 14 years on average. Meanwhile, every year you're developing insulin resistance. So It's important to go get a fasting insulin done to see what your fasting insulin looks like. If you want that to be in single digits, that'll give you a good idea if you're on this path or or, or if you are insulin resistant or not, because sometimes your A1C, which is the three-month average of your glucose, won't change for many, many years. But meanwhile, your pancreas is being exhausted, screaming, shouting out insulin from the beta cells. And I also read a study that if somebody has an A1C, of 7.5% or higher, which is uh, that three-month average of your blood sugars, if you're 7.5% or higher for type 1 or type 2 diabetics, you lose 100 days off your lifespan every year it's at that level. That's how destructive glucose is. 
Okay, firstly, just a thought. Could you please create a course to educate some of the doctors around the world? <laughs> I would love to, my friend. <laughs> to talk to the patients about these things. So important. You're right. I would love that. You know, some of us have just absolutely been trained to look at pathology when what we're really needing to discuss here is optimal health and function. And I love this conversation from starting with innate intelligence, the true essence of you, and the vibration, the source, the creation, the love, the soul, the beauty, the energy that is you expressed through the temple. And most people have neglected their temple. And I say this and not neglected in every way, but in many ways. And I say this because if you are a spirit and you are a soul, you are consciousness expressed through the body in the five or six, if you include thought senses, then who wants to be trapped in a sick, tired body? Literally, your spirit is vibrant and abundant. And then if we don't take care of the vessel, we get trapped within this sick and tired body and we experience a prolonged sometimes decades of suffering you can change now you can take charge now you can start eating clean now you can start getting adapted now and experiencing the 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 expression of life force rather than being trapped in the lower frequency dense sick toxic type body and i know i might trigger you when i say this and you're welcome because you're important, your body's your temple. And if you're not doing it for yourself, then maybe even do it for the way you're showing up in the world, inspiring your children, because they're modeling the masters. They're seeing what you're doing. And the effects of taking charge, I think, is phenomenal. So before we move further, I just want to say this. Check out Ben on his podcast. I love the podcast called the Keto Camp Podcast. 7 million plus downloads, 111 countries. The Keto Camp YouTube, Instagram, and so on and so forth. But we're going to go a little bit deeper. I want to ask you, instead of asking a question, I want to hand it over to you. And I've got one last question before we wrap up. But over to you, out of any topic that you'd like to discuss around keto, around what we've discussed, what is the most pressing topic for you to share with the world uh, right now, Ben? Mm, great question. Outside of metabolic flexibility and freedom, which is the main thing that I'm focused on right now, outside of that, is our highest values, where you had Dr. John Martini on your podcast. I love him. It is so important to live on purpose with your purpose, not just for happiness, obviously, but for your health. There's a book that came out in the 1980s by Dr. Larry Dossie, medical doctor. The name of the book is called Recovering the Soul. Just the title alone inspires me. In the book, he outlines how important it is to get clear what's important to you and align your habits with that. And he showed a study that the majority of people in America, United States, who have their first heart attack, have it 85% of the time, they can predict when it's going to happen. And they predict it every Monday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. in the morning. That is when they are driving to work, going to a job they hate, being resentful about it, boom, stress, heart attack. Right? That is how detrimental it is be incongruent with your telos, with your highest values. And I think we have an obesity issue, not because of what people are eating. I believe we have an obesity issue because what's eating them. They are not living on purpose with their purpose. They're living a life of what others expected of them or what society has expected of them. But when you live on purpose with your purpose, you don't have to find energy. You don't have to take supplements and stimulation, stimulators for energy. 
you release the energy. It's within you. You're just so lit up. You have energy. You have the focus. You have the creativity. You have this this vital human body doing what it needs to do because you're living on purpose with your purpose. And the cool thing about your purpose for those listening is that it is unique to you. Nobody has your purpose. It could be being the best soccer mom in the world or the best podcast host in the world, whatever it is. But when you find out what it is and you align yourself with living that way and you align your activities with that, it's one of the greatest biohacks you could ever do. You have the vital force to do all the things you want to do. I know when I am lacking energy and I am complaining, it's because I'm doing things that are not in my highest values, my true purpose. So what do I do? I delegate those things. I create systems, take it off my plate and give it to somebody else who has that as their highest values, right? I learned this from Dr. John Martini. So that is what I would say to really find out what's important to you. I don't care if you're 21 or 91 and you start to align with that, watch what it does for your vitality and energy and longevity and metabolic flexibility. Watch what it does for your life. I could not agree more. I love the distinction. Now, if, if, if you guys picked up on this, but Ben was explaining, experiencing the difference, or explaining the difference between motivation and inspiration. The inspiration yeah. comes from within. When you're living in alignment with your values, and let's put it this way, and we teach a lot about this, and I can tell you do too. For those listening and watching, right now, if you can tell me your top three values, great. Step number one, at least top three. And then reflect on your life, how much of the time of the 168 hours that you have like available to you as a gift every week, how many of those hours, what percentage of those hours are you actually living in alignment with your highest values? That's where inspiration comes from, right? And so step number one. Step number two, if you don't know your top three values, go to the uh, website, Dr. John Martini, read the book, The Values to Factors, I think it's called, and yes. just really get clear on your values. Because when you know your values, and I'll link these two up and we'll see how it works. I think it'll work. When you know your values and you're living a life of inspiration from the inside, when you link your clean eating, your intermittent fasting, you're getting into ketosis, the habits, the things that you do in your life, when you link those with your highest values, you're not going to need any motivation to go and, and, and do an intermittent fast or to, to eat clean or to take care of yourself because you're linking it to what matters the most for you in your life. It could be your children, it could be your mission, your purpose could be something else, your craft. But when you're linking your highest values to the habits and you see that those, not just biohacking tools, but those fundamental necessities of life for not peak performance, but even just for longevity and vitality, that they're one and the same, that you being on your purpose is being the best that you can be by caring for yourself through a healthy, flexible, metabolically flexible lifestyle, there is no motivation needed. Mm -hmm. It's one yeah. and the same thing. I love that you went straight well to said. purpose, brother. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well said too. Uh, 100% big difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation is very short-lived. It's external, but inspiration is sustained and it's from within. And there's a lot of power there. What about the silly analogy that motivation is a little bit like uh, glucose and inspiration is a little bit like ketones? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> the body sustainability can, yes sustainability and the body can it. create it inside itself you have so much power so much beauty so much life for us so much healing available to you and i think 
this conversation is is not important. It is critical. It is vital, particularly for the many people around the world that are toxic and are sugar dependent and addictive. So thank you for, for taking the time to be here with us, bro. I really think this is really refreshing to have the conversation because you know, a lot of the people in the keto world, from my experience, it's just like, yeah, it's this way only. You can't do anything else. If you don't do this, and you mentioned, you know, all the all the cheese and all the bacon, I don't recommend eating a shitload of cheese and bacon, you know, or not necessarily just cheese, but certain types of cheese. I don't think that's healthy. But the keto side of things is absolutely, for me, a non-negotiable. I want to be in ketosis. I, I, I know the benefits of it. And I really hope that you guys are taking this on board and sharing it with the people that you love particularly those who might be burning glucose primarily and being highly inflammatory and stressed or whatever, send this to them, ask them to have a listen, write it down, take some notes and and reach out if you have any questions. I think your podcast is amazing as well, Ben. Thank you, Aspen. No, it was a pleasure chatting with you. I could tell there's so much that we align on. It's 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 so incredible to have conversations like this. I believe it's life-changing. You also got up really early to make this conversation happen. So I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that, my friend. I work up like this. Woo! My day off when <laughs> I get to hang out with like-minded legends, sharing tools and strategies that truly does change the world. So thank you for showing us that we have the answers within. And if we can take on some of this and implement it, we will surely improve our lives. I got a last question for you, my friend, straight off the cuff. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. It goes like this. Imagine now that you are you're on the world stage. And there's millions and millions of people all around the world and are all tuning in to listen to your message to the world. Take a breath, take your time. Whenever you're ready, please do share. What is your message to the world right now? goes back to what I started a conversation with. Believe. Believe your body was built to be self-healing. But if you lack that belief, borrow my belief, borrow Espen's belief, Borrow somebody's belief in you until you develop that belief for yourself. The placebo effect started because of belief. Dr. Henry Beecher in the 1930s was working with U.S. soldiers getting morphine. They ran out of morphine. They used salt water and they told the soldiers they were getting morphine, but it was salt water and they survived because they believed they were getting their medicine. That's how powerful belief is. So I would say the first step towards greatness in all areas of life is to believe you could do it. And if you lack the belief, borrow my belief because I have all the belief in every single human being out there. So that would be the message I started with, would be the message I closed the conversation with. Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you so much. Ben, where do people go to learn more about your work? I've already mentioned some, but where can they find you and ask questions and, and learn more about how to be metabolically flexible and start this journey or continue this journey? Yeah, everything you shared, all those social media platforms. And then I would just add my website is benazadi.com, which has all those websites as well, social media platforms as well. Thank you. And I noticed you've got some free stuff on there. There's some stuff that people can look at, some lots of good information. So go and check that out, everybody. Get into a process where you can master this, not just learn about it, but live it. That's what matters. And you'll notice the energy in you, the life force and the beauty that comes through this and disease often leaving your body. It's absolutely quite incredible. So I thank you again, not just for the time, Ben, but for what you do. As I said, I was sincere when I said create a course and get this out to the to the medical doctors of the world and the physicians of the world because they truly do need to know this. And so do the people. So we thank you. And I, I just want to 
yeah, put some wind under your wings, brother, because what you're doing is making a big difference and it's beautiful to see you on your purpose making a difference. So thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you, brother. That's well received. I love what you're doing in this world and I appreciate the thought-provoking conversation. Ben Asadi from Keto Camp, everybody. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-N.com or email info at drespen.com. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.